Hey, Doc, how come you're so cantankerous today? We got a big problem. I'm all shook up. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're going to do a slightly different episode of Storytime. I always try to make these episodes evergreen, meaning you can listen to them anytime without any consideration for what's going on in the world. Well, there's a lot going on in the world as I record this. We're in the midst of the coronavirus panic, I guess is the way to call it in the U.S. And so life goes on, but this panic feeling around us also goes on. And I was debating whether to talk about this or not, because this is story time. I'm telling stories about what happened when I was growing up. But I hear so many people worrying about everything that's going on in the world and what's going to happen. And then I hear so many people ignoring it like there's nothing going on in the world. And so I thought I'd try to address it a little bit in the context of what's happened in my life. And from my frame of reference, I'm not going to lecture you on coronavirus. I'm not going to lecture you on medical stuff. I'm not a doctor. I didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Old joke, some of you will get that. But I did want to talk a little bit about it and tell you a couple of stories that may or may not give you some comfort. I'm hopeful they do. But even if they don't give you some comfort, it'll give you something to listen to. So if you are quarantined somewhere down the road and you're listening to this episode, I'm thinking of you as I'm doing this episode. By the way, if you are quarantined somewhere, go listen to all of the episodes. I have two seasons worth of episodes out there. There's over 100 episodes of Storytime. So go listen. They're all good. One of the things that I wanted to talk about today was what the coronavirus has done to the U.S. Not in the way people are thinking or people are reacting or the panic or the non-panic or the non-reaction. One of the things that has stuck out to me is this. We in the United States have finally learned how to wash our hands. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, washing my hands was huge. Now, I know that my upbringing was not like everybody else's, but I'm pretty sure that everybody else had soap and water when they were growing up. Everybody my age, everybody a little younger, everybody a lot younger have all had soap and water. But you would be amazed how many people I see don't wash their hands after simple things like going to the bathroom or picking something up from the floor or picking a stick up outside. Now, I'm not a germaphobe, but my mom taught me, if your hands are dirty, you wash your hands. Were you just petting the dog? Then go wash your hands. Were you just playing outside? Go wash your hands. Yeah, we weren't allowed to do anything without washing our hands. It was ingrained in us. It was good manners. It was also good hygiene. And when you're facing something like a virus that's transferred through touch, through close interaction with people... Washing your hands would seem to be the logical thing to do. I mean, I do that every day anyway. Multiple times every day. But so many people don't seem to know how to do that. And I thank my mom for teaching me how to use soap and water from an early age. The other thing it's nice to see people doing? Covering their mouths. I can't begin to tell you how much I see people just sneeze into the wind. Or cough on a table. I'm at work and somebody's sitting across from me. And it's (laughs) on the table. They don't cover their mouth. They sneeze. That's you. They may look over their shoulder, but they don't cover their mouth. At the very least, cover your mouth with your hand. The new elbow thing, and I say new elbow thing, because we were never taught the elbow thing when I was a kid. But that's where you make like Dracula and you sneeze into the crook of your elbow. Do that. You don't want to be germinating all over the place. Have a little courtesy for your fellow human being. If nothing else, the coronavirus has taught us a couple of manners. These were basic things when I was growing up. Washing your hands, covering your mouth. 
That's another one, by the way. When you're chewing and talking with your mouth full, you're spewing stuff all over the place. Stop that. I was raised not to talk with my mouth full and to chew with my mouth closed. To me, this is just a normal thing. To some people, this is news. So if nothing else, people are being forced to learn a few manners, and I have no problem with that. I just hope it sticks. The other thing that has occurred to me over the past few days is just the amount of panic. Now, I've been through a lot in my life. I've seen a lot in my life, and there's been lots of reasons to panic in my life. This coronavirus is probably one of the most severe things that has made the rounds, but we've had swine flu and MERS and SARS, all different versions of various viral infections. And people have panicked about them, but those haven't been quite as contagious as this one. But people are panicking and hoarding things like you wouldn't believe. Now, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but as I record it, toilet paper, hand sanitizer, and water are all in short supply. You can't go into a supermarket and find any of those things unless you happen to get there on the day they're delivered. And I've seen videos of people going crazy as they bring toilet paper out and they go storming the aisles like it's a sale on Black Friday. It's crazy how people are reacting. It's totally crazy. There's a time for panic. Actually, there's never a time for panic, but there's time to react quickly and time to react prudently. And this is one of those times where you should act quickly, use common sense, but for God's sakes, don't panic. There are lots of resources out there to get the information you need to understand what this virus is all about and what precautions you can take and what risk factors you have, and more importantly, what risk factors your family or friends might have too. Don't just react to the latest loudmouth on Twitter or on Fox News or on CNN. Listen to what the medical experts say. Do a little research, not just on Joe Blowhard's Twitter feed, but from actual medical doctors so that you have good information to rely on. But basically, common sense, I know it's in short supply these days, but a little common sense carries you a long way. And if the experts are saying don't gather in large crowds, don't gather in large crowds. Just because you're not sick doesn't mean you can't get sick. And more importantly, with something like this, it doesn't mean that you can't carry the virus home to people who can get sick. So common sense. If you have to work, just use caution. Be prudent. If you don't have to work, don't. You don't get hero points for showing up at work if you have a little sniffle or you have a little cough. But common sense is something that doesn't get a lot of use these days. But if we use common sense in a situation like this, it keeps us a little calmer and helps us react a little more appropriately. Now, there's nothing that's happened in my life, and I've been around a while. There's nothing that's happened in my life that has been quite this panic-inducing. But we have had moments in the past where people panic and then it passes. Now, I haven't talked about 9-11, and there's not a lot of real happy stories that come out of 9-11, but it does give us some lessons. After 9-11, there was a lot of panic in this country. Some of you are too young to remember that. Some of you may have put it to the back of your memories. But I live and lived around New York City right after the attacks, and there was a huge amount of panic after the attacks. I remember it. I remember people were holed up in their houses and they did not want to leave. They were afraid to go out in public. They were afraid to go to big buildings. They were afraid to go to little buildings. They were afraid to go out to eat. They were afraid to go to sporting events. They were afraid what might happen next. Now, that was a different kind of panic because the nature of the panic was based on a finite attack as opposed to an insidious disease. With the attack, you could pinpoint what happened 
and you had the hope of stopping any future attackers, but that still didn't stop people from panicking. And if you lived through it like I did, think for a second, remember. Remember how scared people were back in 2001. There was a lot of fear. And what we finally had to do was kind of realize that we can take precautions, but there are certain things that are out of our control. So we took precautions. We became more vigilant. We became more aware of our surroundings. The government stepped in with new regulations to help us with air travel. Now, some of those regulations might be overstepping, but that's a topic for another episode. But the point of that is, we panicked, we overreacted out of fear. And then when we calmed down and let our common sense prevail, we took measures to protect ourselves against future attacks, both personally and as a nation. And that's what we have to do here. We have to calm down a little bit. We have to evaluate the situation. We have to learn what we can control, what measures we can take as individuals, not only to help ourselves, but to help those around us, our family members, our friends, our neighbors, the people in our community. Because don't forget, we're not in this world alone. There's a lot of people around us. And what we do can influence and affect them, both good and bad. So we can't lose sight of that. If you're a churchgoer, for instance, and you have a sniffle or a cough, you may not have the coronavirus. You may not. But why would you take the chance of exposing other people to it? That's what I mean about being aware of not only us, but how what we do affects others. Just like after 9-11, we had to be aware of our surroundings. You see a stray bag somewhere in a bus terminal, you may say something to somebody. Nowadays, it's not a stray bag that we're worried about. We're worried about our own cough, our own sneeze, our own sore throat. How is what I'm doing going to affect other people? That's the stuff we have to be aware of. Now, I'm not saying that you should lock yourself away and never set foot out of the house for the next six months. But you do have to use common sense. Just like we didn't stop traveling after 9-11, we're not going to stop traveling after the coronavirus is finally resolved. But until it is, we have to be careful. We have to be aware. We have to be cognizant of what we're doing. That's all I'm saying. One of the things that I've learned over the years is that panic is the result of an overreaction born of either fear or anger or both. And how we handle that panic helps us handle situations. And if you can control your fear, if you can control your anger, you can control your panic. And I wanted to tell you a couple of stories about doing just that. And maybe it'll help you control your fear, control your panic, or at least give you some perspective on how it can be done. Because being afraid, being angry, that leads us to bad decisions so many times. The first story I wanted to tell you, and I think that I've told it in the past, but this is one of the things that came to my mind as I was thinking about what to talk about for today's episode. This goes back to when I was a kid, actually a teenager, not so much a kid. I was driving, and my sister and I had decided to go to Great Adventure, which is one of the Six Flags amusement parks here in New Jersey. And we decided to go down there together and spend the day riding the rides and just having a good time. And we spent the day, had a great time, rode all the rides, had a really good day together. And at the end of the day, we went out to my car and it wouldn't start. Now, I didn't have AAA. I had no way to get any help. As is the case with all of my stories from my childhood, there were no cell phones. So there was no way I was going to call anybody from the car. I had to go back to the park, find a payphone, and call my dad. Now, this was in the middle of the week. It was summer vacation, so we just picked a day in the middle of the week. It was a Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't remember exactly what day. I just remember it was the middle of the week. 
and I didn't think I was going to have to bother my dad for anything, now that I had my driver's license. I was on my own. I didn't need dad anymore. Well, I needed dad. Now, Great Adventure was about an hour from where I grew up, and my sister and I needed a ride. And the only place we were going to get a ride was from dear old dad. So I called him up. Now, as I sit here, I don't remember exactly how the conversation went. The whole conversation has been removed from my memory. I just remember calling dad, and I remember him coming down to pick us up. Was it a great conversation? I don't remember a single word of it. I just know that he was as angry as a hornet's nest. I could tell it in his tone of voice. I knew that he was mad. Now, my dad had a tendency to overreact to little things. And this is a really little thing in the big scheme of things. Your son calls you. He needs a ride. He's an hour away from home. Guess what? Dad, you're the taxi. And of course, I didn't do it on purpose. And of course, I didn't have the car break down intentionally so that I could inconvenience my dad. It just happened. But my dad overreacted to so many things, and this is one of the things that he overreacted to. He was so angry, and he let that anger build for an hour, an hour drive, to come pick us up at Great Adventure. And by the time he got down to us, he was still angry. He was so angry, he wouldn't speak to us at all the entire way home. An hour of silent, angry driving with my dad. I remember getting in the car. I remember saying, thank you, Dad, for picking us up. If he grunted hello, that was a lot. And we were in stone-cold silence for the entire trip home. Now, was there any reason for him to be so mad at me because my car broke down? Of course not. But he couldn't help himself. It was just his nature. It was an overreaction to a situation that was out of everybody's control. It wasn't in his control, it wasn't in my control, it wasn't in my sister's control. It was just one of those things. But he held on to that anger for hours. Now, I don't know if he lost sleep that night or not. I don't know how he got through his next day at work. I don't know if he held on to that anger for the next day. But I've been angry before, and I know I can't hold on to anger because it makes me sick. I get headaches, I lose sleep, I get stomach aches. I can't hold on to anger. Probably partly because my dad was so good at it. But what happened within a couple of days of that trip was my dad got me a card. My dad was not a good one at expressing himself verbally, but boy, the man could write. And he found a blank card of a father and a son looking out at the stars on an empty hillside. And it was blank on the inside. And he wrote me a nice little message apologizing for overreacting. I still have that card, one of the few cards that I held on to. That card I have. Because he recognized that he overreacted to a situation that was nobody's fault. And I know from the card that he gave me that if he had it to do over again, he would do it totally differently. And he recognized the overreaction. Could that trip home have been a little more productive, a little more enjoyable, a little less tense? Absolutely. If he had recognized his anger from the beginning and got a handle on it, if not before he left, at least before he got down there. He had an hour to cool off, and he didn't. He eventually did, and he apologized for the overreaction. But boy, there was a lot of wasted time and a lot of wasted energy on that anger. And that's the point of the story. When you recognize what the problem is, when you recognize that you're angry or that you're scared, get control of that emotion. Rein that in, because that's going to cause you to make mistakes. It's going to cause you to be unable to evaluate the situation and react appropriately. Acting out of blind anger or blind fear is a recipe for disaster. You have to take a step back. You have to be calm. 
You have to evaluate the situation and you have to teach yourself to react appropriately. And that leads me to the second story about overreaction. Now I get to play the role as dad. Now this incident happened when my oldest was 17 or 18 years old. He was driving and he was out with friends one night and I was sitting home in the living room, fat, dumb, and happy, just watching TV. It's 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, and you get that phone call that no parent ever wants to get. Hello, Dad? Are you all right? That's always your first reaction when you're a dad and you get that phone call at 11.30, 12 o'clock. That's never good news. Ah, uh, Dad? Are you all right? Ah, uh, there's been an accident. Well, your heart stops when you hear that. There's been an accident? At least I know he's okay because he's the one actually calling. But your reaction is immediate fear. You are scared to your toes when you hear those words. There's been an accident. You just want to make sure your kid is okay, you know? So, of course, my first words are, are you all right? And thankfully, he said, yeah, I, uh, I lent the car to one of my friends, and he was driving, and he drove into a tree. So that's a lot to digest for a dad at that moment. Okay, so you lent the car that we're letting you use to a friend, which we've told you not to do, but you do it anyway. And he drove it into a tree which is something we warn you would happen if you lend your car to people who shouldn't be driving it. Yes, these are the thoughts that run through a dad's head when you get that kind of news, because you're trying to process everything immediately, and you're trying to get your emotions under control. You've got the fear that's churning around in there. Then you hear that he did what he's not supposed to do, lending the car to somebody who he's not supposed to lend it to, and then the anger mixes with the fear. So you've got anger and fear churning around inside you. And all you want to do is scream or yell or throw something. That's your initial reaction. Your body just wants to do something to relieve the tension. And there's nothing you can do at that point because you've got to get more information. You've got to find out where he is. You've got to find out what the accident was. So you've got to wrestle those emotions under control, that anger, that fear. You've got to get that under control and gather information so you know what to do next. And I did. Whether it was watching my dad overreact to things all of my life, whether it was watching my dad become unreasonably angry at things all of my life, whether it was a personality quirk that I have, whatever it was, I was able to tamp down those emotions. I put that fear, I put that anger away, and I was able to get the information that I needed. The accident was right in our town, five minutes away from the house. Police were on the scene. Everybody was alive, thank God, but there were ambulances on the scene. And of course, I needed to go there for a couple of reasons. Number one, I had to pick him up. But number two, the car was registered in his mom's name. So the police had some questions for me. Yes, there's another little bonus to your anger package there. The police have some questions for me. Those are always great words to hear at 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. Uh, Dad, the police want to talk to you. Oh, good. I'll be right there. Told his mom where I was going, hopped in the car, and went down to the scene. Now, I didn't have an hour's drive to process like my dad did, but I also didn't react like my dad did. I had about five minutes to get my head together, and I knew the circumstances required me to be calm, cool, and collected. Yes, I wanted to overreact. Yes, I wanted to stomp around. I wanted to jump up and down. I wanted to take that boy and shake him. What were you thinking? Don't you listen? And I knew the answer to those questions were, I don't know, and no. So I didn't ask them. But in that five-minute drive on the way down there, I knew that I couldn't be overly angry, and I knew that I couldn't be overly scared. The situation was what the situation was, and I was just going to have to deal with it. 
And I did. We talked to the police, they filled out the report, picked up my kid, drove him home. And yes, we had some discussions over the days that followed. But at the time, no purpose would have been served by me ranting at him or railing at him or shaking him and saying, what were you thinking? I knew it wasn't going to accomplish anything, so I didn't. I didn't waste my time. Yes, I was angry. And yes, I was scared. But I was able to get control of those emotions and react appropriately to the situation. There's nothing wrong with feeling angry and feeling afraid in a situation like that or in any situation where you're confronted with something that scares you or makes you angry. It's okay to be angry and it's okay to be afraid. But the point of the story is that you can't let the anger and the fear govern what you do. You have to get control of it, recognize it for what it is, file it away for future use if you need to, but then react with reason and common sense. Handle the situation that's presented with you, not the situation that you're afraid of, not the situation that you're angry about. Handle the situation that you're confronted with, and you'll be doing a better job of handling the situation. You won't be overreacting. You won't be ranting. You won't be raving. You won't look like a lunatic running through the streets. You'll be able to come to a conclusion, to a solution, to an action that's appropriate to handle the situation. Now, do either of these stories have anything to do at all with the coronavirus? No, not at all. Except for the fact that they highlight controlling the fear, controlling the anger. That's true for what we're going through as a society today, and it's true for everything that you face in your life. Because whether it's a coronavirus or a promotion you didn't get or a raise you didn't get or a job that you were fired from or anything that you confront in your life, there are going to be times when you're afraid. There are going to be times when you're angry. And it's okay to feel those things, but don't let them govern your life. Don't let fear, don't let anger be what dictates how you act. You have a brain, you have world experience, you have common sense. Calm yourself down. Evaluate the situation. If you need more information, get the information and then react in a reasoned, well-thought-out way. You will handle every situation in your life, no matter what it is, better if you don't succumb to those emotions. And if you take nothing else from this podcast, take that. Your life will be better if you learn to control those emotions that make you act like a nut. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with acting like a nut. I act like a nut most of the time. But when the crisis situation develops, or when the emergency situation develops, or even when the unique situation develops that you've never encountered before and you have to react, fear of the unknown can be paralyzing. Anger at the stuff that's out of your control can be paralyzing. That's what I'm talking about. Get rid of those things that freeze you or that cause you to overreact, that cause you to act spontaneously and crazily. Sure, be a nut, have fun, be goofy. Life is about being goofy and having a good time and enjoying what you do in the world. But once you let fear and anger dictate how you're doing things, how you're reacting to things, how you're living your life, that's when you've got to rethink things. And that's all I'm suggesting. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Storytime. Hope you don't mind me being a little bit preachy, but there is so much going on in the world. I thought perhaps some calming words might be helpful. Some perspective might give you a way to deal with things that you might not have thought about. And if nothing else, in two years or five years or ten years, whenever anybody listens to this episode again down the road, I hope they'll be saying, oh, what the hell was coronavirus? I hope that's what people say. But until that time, 
please be careful, use your head, use common sense, wash your hands, sneeze into your elbow, and be considerate of others. And please, guys, take care of yourselves. I like having you out there. I like having you in my Twitch stream. I like having you listen to the podcast. And I just love knowing that you guys are out there and living your lives. Please keep doing so. And please keep coming back for more. I really do appreciate the fact that you take the time to listen, and I can't thank you enough for all your support. Until next time, really, take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.